welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple dry. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Just want to quickly thank my sponsors, Forever and Halton Honda, for believing in myself, my guests, and the content here that we provide every week on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. I also wish to uh, thank my family and friends over at C-Suite Radio Network, where, of course, following the live show, you can eventually find the podcast link of the live show. So my guest today is another phenomenal guest. Who is my guest today? Well, I am joined by a gentleman by the name of Wayne Washington. With over three decades of managing operations in the trenches, running a successful business and speaking, Wayne's view of operational excellence is radically different. Wayne has learned operational excellence is not a destination, but an ongoing journey in pursuit of a company's strategic objectives. Sometimes called the doctor of operations, Wayne is known for his skill in diagnosing ailing operations, prescribing a course of action, and serving as mentor during implementation for one treatment option. Wayne's blend of real-world examples a conversational approach, and transparency connect with his audiences in an authentic, engaging, and truly unique way. Wayne managed an $18 million expense budget and led over 100 employees as facility manager for the Mead Johnson Nutritional Division of Bristol-Myers Squibb. Wayne is the founder and current CEO of a 20-year-old facility management company. Wayne's efforts at Mead Johnson resulted in an almost 30% reduction in operating costs over a three-year period. When you get Wayne, you get a driven, focused and results-oriented individual as demonstrated by his personal achievement of losing 230 pounds in 11 months using diet and exercise. Wow. Hello, my friend. How are you? Welcome to the program. Why, thank you, Lisa. It's great to be here. Well, it's an honor to have you. This has been uh, in the works for quite some time, and it feels like it was forever ago that we decided we were going to pick today as the day to go forward with this awesome interview. So I just want to say I'm glad the day has arrived. I know my loyal listeners are going to sponge this all up. Uh, <laughs> so I always encourage people to be uh, present with paper and pen, take notes. And of course, once the podcast is released, you can go back and listen at your leisure and uh, really retain and process what it is that Wayne is going to share and impart with the listening audience here today. So Wayne, why don't we just get right into the inception of your journey? When was it you knew that you embodied leadership skills? When was it that you knew you had uh, certain skill sets that were going to help people, not only in their personal lives, but also with their businesses and taking it to the next level? But I have to say that was back in the uh, mid-90s when I was working at Mead Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a reorganization where they separated the company into a pharmaceutical division, a nutritional division, and an infrastructure, or what we call a site division, took care of all the buildings and all the infrastructure, so to speak. And I was given the group called, which is an infrastructure, had all the buildings. And the employees that were assigned to me, they were these guys who were like 45 to 60 years old. 
and they're looking for retirement. So here I was coming in trying to put a new group together with a new direction, and I had all these people who were really just thought about retirement. So I had to think through how we make that process work. And when I realized you get people involved, you know, you get them involved to decide their future, that was the key that made it work. So there were some crusty old guys and, and gals that we, we pulled together and put them on a steering committee. Make a long story short, those they came up with what we call working agreements. And we decided how we're going to work together before we even started working. And we sold them to the entire department. And everybody signed off on them. We still have that document frame that that everybody signed off. And this is back in 1994. Mm-hmm. But but that was the process that got me started. So when I saw that, I could take that group of, of, of workers and who are complacent and looking for retirement and get them motivated and get them ready to contribute again. We, we, what we did also, we, we rallied around a slogan. You know, at the time, uh, you always have senior management wants to outsource facilities. That's one of the things they still try to do. So we would look at the concept of how can we beat the contractors who were trying to outsource? We had this slogan, better, faster, cheaper. We have to do our work better than the contractors, faster than the contractors, and cheaper than the contractors. And we rallied around that for the, the, the entire time. That concept was, was part of the process to help me save that 30% in operating funds over a three-year period. And the big thing there that that you might I looked at when we did that, it was from from things like services and overtime and supplies. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're able to cut our services account like from one point two million dollars down to nine hundred down down to six hundred thousand dollars. We cut our overtime from six hundred thousand dollars down to twenty nine thousand dollars. And how we're able to do that, we're able to measure. Uh, I'm an engineer by trade, mm-hmm. and and when. I went to school and I came through school. One of the things I always learned was if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So that's been my motto my entire life. So having the the wherewithal to put the measurements in place within our operations, that allowed us to maybe find out where we were from a starting standpoint. And then we had benchmarks going forward. So make a long story short, that's how the whole process got started. That's how I knew I had something inside of me because of that engineering mentality. I try to think through things systematically. And over the last, what, 30 years, we've been just putting the system together. Fantastic. Wow. So when we talk about taking a top-down uh, top or a bottom-up approach, maybe for the listening audience, you can explain what that means mm-hmm. and what is the benefit of each. I mean, is there a new way of approaching things that is less archaic, or is it really contingent upon each person's business model? I, I really think the times have changed. And yep. When I was um, working at Meet Johnson years ago, it was strictly a top-down approach. You know, you got your marching orders from senior management, and they were passed down to the directors and vice presidents. They were passed down to the managers, and we would pass them down to the uh, to the workers. Now, you remember that old game? You, you, you take a, a message and you pass it down a line. That message is not the same when it gets to the end of the end of the line. That same way it is in companies, the same way it is, was in real life. So. From a top-down approach, you know, I, I have found in today's environment, today's work environment, with the younger millennials, with people who are more value in their work, uh, top-down approach doesn't work, at least from my perspective. From a, a bottom-down, a bottom-ups approach, I mean, that to me doesn't have a lot of credence from a standpoint because you're not going to have your line workers running the company. The concept I try to look for is collaboration and inclusion. 
Now, if, if you're going to have a company that you're taking from point A to point B, if everybody in your organization doesn't know why you're going, where you're going, and how you're going, you're wasting time. And, and, and I, what, I, what I find is you have what I call value drains. And value drains are things like you have uh, disengaged employees, mm-hmm. unnecessary complexity, and hidden costs. Those value drains rob you if you don't have everybody on the same page heading in the same direction. So to answer your question, I, I think it's more important to have a collaborative approach than either top-down or bottom-up. Fantastic. So I also know that you've worked with various other companies and you've managed to do similar type things with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very successful results mm-hmm. such as mm-hmm. Vector Corporation, First Security Bank, and Tropicana. Now, do you find that the majority of the businesses that you're interfacing with and helping work with them directly and obviously very intimately to help produce the results that they're hiring you for, you know, is, is it pretty much similar across the board in terms of what everybody's looking for, what their deficits? are or do you find that you know it is unique to each company or are you finding that majority people are faced with the same types of challenges and obstacles well i, I think each company is is unique in the obstacles and challenge that face them and the reason why each company is unique because each company has their own unique culture and culture is basically the the beliefs and the behaviors your employees bring to work every day and that's going to change from company to company to company. So to answer your question, yes, it, it's it's different. Uh, and so, but the, the structure of how I approach it, that's going to be the same, no matter no matter who we work with. But how we get started is is the key. And what's the timeline that you generally work with companies to get them back on their feet, you know, more clear within their vision in terms of execution, uh, incorporating the things that you have suggested that are going to make them uh, more independent going forward to know what to look for and how to be strategic? You know, what's the length of time that you generally find yourself working with any particular company? Well, it it probably can go to to a year is I'd say is about the longest time. And be, be, because it's it's a transition you're trying to make of an entire organization. And, and it's, a, it's a stepwise process. And why I say that, the, the first phase I try to work with any company is, is I basically say, do you qualify? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by do you qualify is, do you have the mindset of collaboration and inclusion? Now, if you still want to keep that top-down mindset where I'm the boss and I'm going to tell everybody what to do, let's not waste each other's time because we're not going to be very successful. So the first thing we try to do is we try to come into an organization and sit down with a senior the senior team and let's understand what's happening today. What's the current situation? What's the current marketplace? And what's the impact on the, on the marketplace? How are you? How's your strategy? What strategy do you have in place right now? How's your culture? What kind of operating models? We, we get all those kind of questions put together, and then we see how they're aligned. And what, what I mean by align, you know, even though my background is mainly operations, the one thing I learned about getting an organizational change or change management, as you might call it, you got to do it with people. You know, mm-hmm. people are the ones that make the changes, not the company. So. In order to be successful in anything we're trying to do, there's got to be an alignment of your strategy, your culture, and your operations. When those three are in alignment, then we have something to work with. So 
I try to work with companies on on that first that first setting, that first time we get together. It's basically a, it's basically a half day workshop. We come in, we sit down, and, and we talk. And during that workshop, we try to get a feel for where you are, where you want to go. And at the end of that that time, I'm gonna look you in the eye, and I'm basically gonna say, Are you willing to commit? the things you have to do to make that journey, which is collaboration and inclusion. Are you going to involve your employees from the top to bottom, or is it just going to be you? And if they're not going to take that step, we agree to disagree, and I move on. All right, let's let's say you make that step, and then we have what I call a, a basically a one-and-a-half-day retreat. And there we take your senior team, and in that team, we're going to put together your strategic, uh, basically an overview of where you're heading. We're going to look at what who you are, what you're about, where you're going, and how you're going to do it. It's going to be at a, at a very high level uh, place where you're going to do that, but I call that a boot camp. And when we leave that boot camp, everybody has to be on the same page. In other words, they're all singing the same tune, they're all singing the same song, what our strategy is, who we are, where we're going, how we're going to get there from a bigger picture standpoint. You know, you probably, Lisa, before have seen organizations where senior managers, you have, you have infighting between senior managers and one manager wants to do A and one manager wants to, wants to do B. Yes. How, yes. How does that translate to the organization? You have that same silos and turf wars throughout the organization. So if we as a management team can't get on the same page and walk the talk, our organization is not going to walk the talk. So that that boot camp, you know, we, we look each other in the eye and we have some very serious discussions and we're making sure that we can all leave that meeting on the same on the same page. Beautiful. Right. And so that, that that's 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 step step two. This the third step we try to come in and say, how do we put together the, the for lack of a better word, the framework we're going to use? You know, if we want to build a company that grows. You gotta have something. You gotta have a system that's measurable. Mm-hmm. You, it's gotta it's gotta be repeatable, and it's gotta be scalable. So in order to do that, you gotta put together some kind of framework that you're going to use for the company. And we help the companies put together that framework. So and all we're doing is put together the structure. The next step after that, this is when we start getting the organization involved. We're going to call in your mid-managers. If, if it's a national company or a global company, I really don't care where they are. We will call those mid-managers in, and we're going to start putting the teeth to that framework. We're going to start talking about how we define our operating model. We're going to start talking about how we, what, are the, what are the procedures and processes we want to set up. We're going to talk, start talking about what are the key measures we want to put together. So all that is put together by the mid-managers. And why that's so important these are the guys who, have to be, who are going to be held accountable for that. So if we get them involved in designing it and, 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 me- and what those measures are, they're going to be, have more of an ownership piece when it's all said and done. Fantastic. And, and then the, the next stage step after that is, is what I call where the rubber meets the road. This is where we start, we start talking about the operating, the daily operating procedures. Because the bottom line, what we have to do in any organization, you've got to translate strategy into daily operating instructions. So this last step, once we have the framework in place, excuse me, once we have the framework in place and the mid-managers have put together the structure of that framework, then the the frontline workers, the frontline supervisors, we get all of them involved to basically put put together the the daily, what I call recipes, you know, how do we do X, Y, and Z? So that's, we, we pull them together. Now at that point, you have a plan that you can put together and implement. But what I have found that most companies might take that plan, 
it sits on a shelf. So I, I add a, a, another step in there where I come on board as a mentor. And when I say on board, you know, with technology, technology today, we do a lot of things online. In other words, you can have people over the country and we set up an online meeting and we go through things online and, and your, your people don't have to travel. So as we go through implementation, doing the implementation process, you're gonna, we're going to run into roadblocks. We're going to do some group co coaching. We're going to do some group counseling. We're going to help you through the hurdles. You know, we're going to celebrate. We're going to kick you in the butt. We're going to do what it's going to take to make you be successful. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, you know? No, but um, but that that's part of the process because in spite of everything I talked about, you still have a business to run day to day. So how, how do we take all the things we're talking about and implement them on top of the day to day? I'm that sounding board. I'm that reasonable one doing the implementation process and reminding you what you what what you have to do. Because it's, it's like a lot of things you would always rationalize why you don't want to do something today. I help you bring that rationalization back to it. Let's stick to our game plan. Sure, we might do it just from time to time, but how do we stick to our game plan? So that that in a, in a, in a nutshell is, is what we try to do. So I think, Lisa, I think the best way to put it, it depends on companies and what pace they want to go at and how fast they want to go or where their people are and how much it takes them to get on board. Because when I say get on board, the most important thing I feel that a, a company needs to make sure all on the same page is, is their why. Uh, you probably read a book uh, called by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. Yeah. That That is one of the, the, the more, more important business books I think I have ever read. And, and it, it sets the foundation. You know, when when you know what your why is, your employees and your customers are engaged because they, they know where you're heading. Uh, you have advocates when they know what your why is. Now, when we don't know our why as a company or as an organization, what results is, Everybody has their own why. Everybody has their own agenda. And, and those can, agendas can compete. And, be, and so it's important to make sure why we exist is important is, is the first thing we try to start with. So once once we have that that why, and the next thing I, I also try to look at, not only just a, a Simon Sinek, but um, I start with a guy named uh, Stephen Covey. And his seven habits of highly successful people, his second habit is begin with the end in mind. Yeah. So, so, Bingo. Yeah. So what do we do? We define success. We define growth. We define profitability. What's it going to be at the end? And once you know what the end is, you kind of work your way back with the beginning and then you have your game plan of, of, of what you want to do. Now, when all that is put together, crystallized and clear, where you can clearly articulate it, uh, that's where we make where we make it work. Um, I, would, I would be willing to bet, Lisa, if you go into half the companies today and, and ask 80% of the employees, why does their company exist? What's their company's value proposition? You will get 500 different answers, depending on how many different employees there are, because most companies don't stop to focus on what they're doing. Because once you know what your why is, that's like a guiding star out on the horizon. You're always working towards that. It's easier to make decisions when you know your why. It's easier to know what you're not going to do when you know your why. So, I mean, those fundamental things, starting with your why and beginning to end in mind, they are fundamental pillars of what I try to do. Absolutely. Well, very impressive, and I appreciate that thorough, succinct answer. And I'm, I'm going to jump in here. Sure. And I'm just I'm going to say, okay, so let's, 
you know, once you've established that, once everybody's on the same page, seemingly Mm -hmm. on the same page. Now, let me ask you this, because we know as part of the human condition, whether we're talking about business, uh, you know, restructuring, remodeling, getting really laser focused with where Mm -hmm. we need to go and how to do it now that someone like you has stepped in to navigate it all with them. Um, But whether we're talking about intimate relationships and people going to counseling, you know, everyone out of the gate, it's, you know, a reinvigorating process. People feel like, okay, now I've, I've learned some new tools to have in my toolbox that's going to adapt and take me uh, on the trajectory of where we all agree in alignment that we need to go and want to go seemingly. Mm-hmm. But, but what I want to know from you is, Wayne, do, do you go in and job shadow for a period of time in which to see, you know, to what degree people are consistently following through? Because, again, when people when people go through that initial uh, reinvigoration process and they feel like, ah, oh, okay, now I can breathe again, now I can see again, now I understand again, people fall back into their old habits. Mm-hmm. We, know, we know that to be true. So in order for this to uh, continuously maintain the success in which it needs to, to be successful and going forward, you know, do you feel there's an element of, physical presence you know kind of keeping an eye on things getting a pulse on you know to what degree people are holding themselves to this new level of standard or honoring the commitment of saying yes i'm coachable yes i'm workable yes i'm willing to adopt and adapt what it is that you're teaching me here yes yeah yeah i understand what you're saying and and i i hear what you're saying but i don't think there's enough hours in a day to follow up on people and check behind them so our process, we come back to the front end, and you know, when, I, when once we identify who we are as a company and and where we're going, it's important to know what are our shared values. Mm-hmm. And and if there's there's two components to values. When, when when I talk about culture and I talk about values, you know, the company as a whole has values. Everybody's going to have going to have different set of values, but the values are things you have to live. And where the where I have found over the years when our company values align with my individual values, that's where we have what I'll call self-accountability. What we try to do when we align our values with our company values that are aligned with our, with our, our employees' values, and it's not as hard to do as you think it is, when we, when we do that, we have what I call focused owners as employees. These guys are engaged because they feel a sense of ownership. When, when you can go to work every day and know what your, how your job contributes to your company's why, you have a sense of fulfillment as opposed to just completing a job. So we try to instill that into the, in, into the employees from day one because we, we have our shared values. And we go through a process we call cultural alignment. So we, we help a company identify what the, what the organizational values are going to be, and then we help the, we and what what a company has to do is set the environment so people can live their values. We can't control behaviors, we can't control opinions, but we can control the environment. We have the right tools, we have the right teaching, we have the right techniques, we have the right tone. All that is part of the, of the of the organizational environment that we try to set that our employees fit into. I mean, if from an employee standpoint, if all you're looking for is honesty, respect, dependability, and if they're the kind of things that your values are as a company, it's easy for an employee to buy into that. I mean, so I'm trying to say our values are not always about money and profit and growth and market share. 
our values are, are, are how do we relate as human beings? How do we get things together? That's what we had to put the environment together as an organization to do. And then from there, our employees line up with, with that and therefore they take ownership. And I'm not sure if that's answering your question, but it's part of the process of how we go through it. So we don't have a daily check off, check me. We mm-hmm. have people who live their values because it's instilled into their, into their own DNA. Excellent. Well, let me ask you this as well, Wayne. So, mm-hmm. you know, we know once upon a time, the culture within the business world, it was very much, you know, particularly when you're a high senior uh, manager, you're the CEO, you know, it, it used to be that you'd have to have this aura about you where it was all business and, you know, you couldn't be relatable. It was very much about us and them, me and you, and, and, and really defining what the role was and, and, and creating that hierarchy so that people always knew who was in charge. Now, Today, things have shifted, and in mm-hmm. the, the most successful organizations, generally speaking, a manager who may have had very archaic dinosaur-type thought processes around what was once upon a time the business uh, way of conducting business and, and being the so-called leader and demonstrating uh, what that barrier or what that boundary should be, we now know that when people have a sense of you know, seeing the humanistic side of you, people knowing who your children are, people knowing the name of your spouse, people knowing what it is you do for for downtime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, but I know that there's still people at that level who struggle with that and feel that it's a sign of weakness or they feel they're getting too close to people and people are going to get lazy or they're going to get complacent or it's going to become too much of a friendship as opposed to, you know, still that level of um, employer employees. So what do you mm-hmm. say about that culture? What do you say about the fundamental importance of shifting that mindset? I have, I have a simple one line sentence to answer your question. Mm-hmm. You can exist or you can excel. Mm-hmm. And those people who have that dinosaur mindset, they're going to exist. Whatever they've been doing, they're going to continue doing. But if you want to grow and excel and make your business make your business larger, you have to adopt a mindset of collaboration and inclusion. Because to me, if you don't, you're, you, you're not going to go any further. You, what you've been doing, you're going to continue doing. It's like, the, um, who was it, Einstein said, uh, keep on doing the same thing over and over yeah. again, expecting different results. You know, that's not working these days because of technology, because how smarter people are. So I, I said a one-line answer, but I said it with more than one line. But you either make a choice. you got to make a choice. As a company, are you going to excel? Or as a company, are you going to exist? And, and to me, if, if you're going to excel, you need to have a good strategy. And a good execution plan that's understood by everybody within the organization. Right. But also, you know, scaling it back to what I was saying, you have sure. to be relatable. People sure. need to know who you are as a human being outside of what your role is as the leader or the face of the company, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and let, let me go back to huh, 30 years ago when I was back at Mead Johnson when we when we did the um, uh, to transition from the when we put the group together of the older all the older guys. You know, what we also would do, we had a cookout and we would we have the whole department, everybody brings in food, we cook, we laugh, we talk, we do it from company time. We have, we, we would do celebrate different things. So to answer your question, you got to be a human being. I'm not yeah. a robot. And and that's just part of my nature. But I also feel, I mean, sure, there's going to be some lines you're going to draw as to boss and subordinate, but but there's a, there's, to me, there's a level of respect and if yeah. I respect you as a human being, I respect you as a person, we're going to be fine. I, I would love to know coming and say happy birthday to you. And I, I've done that before. I come and sing happy birthdays to my employees. But, you know, it's just, that's just me. But um, I think what you're saying is you have to be relatable. You have to be human. You're not just a robot. You're not just yes, sir, or no, sir. And uh, uh, that's not that to me 
is not effective anymore in my right. opinion. I agree wholeheartedly, completely. So what is your why, Wayne? What is the why for what you do every day? Okay. Well, it, a lot of it goes back to the, the losing, losing weight. I had been heavy my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I had my knees replaced back in 19, excuse me, 2000 and, uh, 2012, I think it was. And, uh, and they started hurting again. And I went back to the doctor and the doctor says, Wayne, the only thing you're going to do is you're going to have to lose weight or you're going to be that way the rest of your rest of your life. And when he said that to me, the picture that came to my mind was riding in one of those scooters. And that was the most disgusting, just for me, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it against anybody else. For me, that was the most disgusting, unacceptable position for me that that very next day I started 11 months later, I lost, I lost 230 pounds. So as, as, as I was doing that process, you know, I, I started asking myself, I mean, sure, I told myself, wait, you can do this. When I got to, when I lost a hundred pounds, I can remember it's about a year ago. It was like February 16th. So like, uh, 2013, I almost know the date. I was sitting here in my office and I, when you can do this, you're halfway there. And what are you going to do with your life? And I realized that I could make anything in my life come true if I wanted to, if I work hard enough and put a plan together. Okay. So I knew I had to have a dream. And what, what came to me, Lisa, was, you know, God gave everybody a song to sing and an internal song to sing that's unique to me. And I'm going to sing that song. And that song basically is, how do I help people succeed and achieve? So that's always been my why since, well, not always, since I started losing weight, when I really started focusing on what I'm about, where am I going? Um, you, you were a, a, a movie years ago called Pay It Forward. Yes. This, yes. Yeah. And that's where, I, how, how can I help people succeed and achieve? You know, the things I have in my mind, the 30 years plus of experience I have, am I going to take that to the grave? Or is there some kind of way I can share what, what, what I've done? And that's that's my why right now, Lisa, is taking the concepts I, I put, put together and teach them, train them, help people live them. Um, it, it, it's a concept. I'm going to just add one more part to that. I love to cook. And I've, I've loved to cook for a long period of time. And, and when I cook, I could either improvise and take whatever ingredients are there or I cook to impress. When I cook to impress, I find that right recipe and the right ingredients so I can wow my audience. So when I look at from a business standpoint, business is no different. You, instead, instead of having ingredients from a business standpoint, we have resources. We, we have manpower. We have money. We have materials. And we have management. How do we take those resources and put them together in our business recipes, which is our operating model? You know, when, when, when I cook, it tells me my time, my temperature, and the technique to use. How do we take that same concept and, and do that from a business standpoint in our operating model? Who's Love the it. who, the what, the wow, the when, and the why? So we put all that together. So that's that's what I put together. And what I put together a few years ago, Lisa, and, I, and I'm real happy about it, is what I call the business value formula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what the business value formula is, says basically your recipes plus your resources equal your results. And what do I mean by that? When your operating model and how your operating model works and how it's aligned with your strategy, your, your culture, and your operations, if that's aligned, those recipes are aligned, you're going to be successful. Once, those, once you fix your recipes, then you fold in your resources. That's how you get the results. 
what I have seen too many times, you know, you have people who have market share, they're losing market share, or the profits are down, or they want to get in, into a new market. The first thing they do is go to the resources. Well, I want to add more manpower. I got to get more money. Oh, I got to get a new management thing. What's our, what's our new strategy for the day? And all of that is just more of the same. You know, how do, how do we come back and fix our model? So our recipes first, then fold in our, our then we basically fold in fold in our resources, and that's how we grow. And to kind of finish that off on the back end of that, how do we then optimize our operating model? And this, these are the things I, I feel that's important to do. And how we optimize optimize our operating model is we eliminate those value drains I talked about earlier. How do we eliminate unnecessary complexity? How do we eliminate disengaged employees? How do we eliminate hidden costs? And we have a process. We teach you how to do all those kind of things so your, your operating model is aligned. So um, that's that's my why. It's, it's, a, it's a long answer to, to your question, but that's my why. How do we take that concept in business and help people become successful? We feel a person can have hyper success if you if you have excuse me sustain sustain results if they put a process in place where they continually market I mean do that process over and over again. So that's 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 what I'll have to say is my why if, if that answers your question, Lisa. Super. So my question back to you is when are you going to come cook for me? <laughs> well, 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 what are you in Bellevue, Washington? Um, <laughs> well, the first let me ask you this: what's your, what's your favorite meal? Oh, geez, um, I, I love sushi. I I love salads. I you know I, no, I love salmon. Stuff. Okay, okay. Yeah. So so if I was going to come and make my one of my favorite is beef stroganoff. So that that doesn't sound like it's in your in your menu. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I can make a good salad for you, Lisa. I can do that. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. So, you know, in terms of talking about leadership, it's it's one of those buzzwords. It's cliche, and of course, with how things are sometimes depicted in the media today and on the global scale, I'm always interested to talk to people who truly do embody leadership scale, um, skills and who exemplify that with their clients, with their day to day action taking. You know, we're where are we with leadership today? What do we need to be doing more of? What do we need to get rid of? Uh, what are some of the, perhaps the confusing uh, overlapping understanding of what leadership may in fact be because of how it's being misrepresented perhaps? What are we doing with leadership? What do people have to do with leadership? How do people need to execute leadership and embody leadership? Well, uh, it's a, a wide-ranging question, but I, I guess to, to me, it comes down to leadership means what? We're all in this together. Yeah. And so so it, even though I might be the head of the company, there's a there's a, a, a book, and I can't remember the name of the person who wrote it. It's called Servant Leadership. Mm-hmm. And, and there's another one, uh, Managing, uh, Encouraging from the Heart. And how can I, as a leader of the company, that's where collaboration and inclusion comes in, how can I, from the, as a leader of the company, help my people succeed, give them the tools, the training, the techniques to get there. The more I can help them succeed, they're going to return back. There, there's a, a, a another book I read a few years ago called The Dream Manager. And in, in this book, what, this, what this, this, this company, this guy has a company that basically says, 
I have a person that can help my employees dream. If they want to have something where they want to pay for their college, if I as a company or as a dream manager can help them put that together, think it through and implement it, and we meet with them on an ongoing basis so they achieve that, think what they're going to think about our company. Think of the ownership they're going to have in our company or the loyalty they're going to have to our company. So the more I can help my employees succeed and achieve, it's the more we're all in this together, the more we're all going for that same why together. So from a leadership standpoint, that's my concept. Servant leadership, how do I be humble and help them succeed? So the the, the old archaic way, top down, do as I say, uh, that, that doesn't work. I mean, and right. uh, you could tell it's not working. You could probably go through a Harvard Business Review or any of the leading publications and look at the percentage of employees that are disengaged. And mm-hmm. I, I've seen some numbers where 30 to 40 percent of only 30 to 40 percent of your employees are engaged. Mm-hmm. Engaged. That's 70 percent of your employees who are disengaged. Why? Because mm-hmm. pe- people don't care about them. They just show up for the job. But if you get them involved in the process, you collaborate with them, you get them included where they want to do, they want to get to the company. They want to help you take the company where you're going, you want to take it. That's how you pick that up. So, so from a leadership standpoint, to me, how do we work on this together? It's we're all in this together. Beautiful. Now for somebody who has as lofty goals as you are, for somebody who's a spitfire and well sought out and well known within your industry, you know, how do you keep yourself fresh? What's what's on the horizon for you with respect to your own personal professional goals, whether it be a one year plan, a five year plan? What do you have yet to accomplish that you have not as of yet, but you you feel like you need to step into that? It's funny if you ask these questions because these are some things that I've been thinking about my entire life. Uh, and this one goes back to the 80s. Um, back in, in the mid-80s, I put together for myself a vision statement and a mission statement. And one of the reasons why I did that is where do I want to go in my life? What do I want to do when, I'm all, when it's all said and done? When God calls me home, what do I want to have accomplished? And one of the things I've, I look back and I, and I see is the plight of young black boys between the ages of, of two and five years old. Well, this, this just made me back up. Young black male, 20 years old and younger. I mean, I'm just I'm just so concerned that they're not going anywhere. They're, they're, they're no responsibility, no commitment, no character. How can we turn it around? And the thing I, I always want to be able to do, and I've, I've thought about this since 1987, and I've been thinking about it for years, and before I die, I want to make this happen. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to have a way where, what I, what I even gave it a name, the Life Academy for Black Boys. And how can we teach them character, integrity, dreaming, responsibility? And if we can do that between the ages of two to five years old and let them carry that for the rest of their life, Think of the reduction in the prison system. Think of the reduction in the welfare system. So that's the kind of stuff I've, I've, been, I've, say, I've been thinking about for a number of years. And that's why I want to build my business successful, because I want to take what I do from that successful business standpoint and implement that. How can I help young black boys become successful? Fantastic. Love it. So, of course, you being what you are to other people's companies, you know that it's not a matter of just, you know, having a pipe dream. It's actually putting tangible steps into place for it Mm -hmm. to come to fruition and see Mm -hmm. it develop and take a life of its own. So what's your action plan with respect to the putting that in motion? What is your time frame? How are you holding yourself accountable? Okay. Well, the... 
I, for me, it's important that I, I fund this. I don't want to be the one who goes out and, 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 and uh, has to fundraise and stuff like this. So my time plan is the more successful I can make my business, the more I can grow my business, the more I have funds to invest back into my pet project. So from a time frame standpoint, I'm 67 years old, so I have more life behind me than I have ahead of me. So I'm, I'm on this mission right now to sell this message, sell the message I have right now about how do we execute our strategy on time, on target, on budget. And if that's the message I'm trying to sell, if, I, if we can help people execute their strategy on time, on budget, and on target, that's going to be successful to them. They're going to get benefit out of it. I'm going to get benefit out of it. And the more I can help companies do that, the more successful my company is going to be. The more successful my company is going to be, the more I'm able to fund the lab, what I, what I call the lab. And from a time frame standpoint, um, I, I don't have a date in mind. I, it's more of a process. You know, I'm still working on, um, there, there's a, another, I'm a, you can tell I, I read books. There's a, a book called Grit. Uh, and, and, and in this book, it talks about all these personality traits. So that's what I'm trying to do right now. How can I teach character? How can I teach integrity? How can I teach perseverance? How can I teach dependability? So right now is, is how do I do a lot of the, the legwork to learn about those type of things? So I therefore can teach them simple concepts at the same time, how do I get the funding available from, from the company standpoint, my company standpoint to put that aside in some kind of foundation where it can eventually fund the lab. So, I mean, do I have dates? No, but I'm continually working, working towards what I have to do and checking off boxes as to this has to be done. As an engineer, I always have to do lists. I always have checklists. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I check them off and I move on. <laughs> yes, I understand. My ex-husband was an engineer and everything with a spreadsheet in our marriage. You drove me freaking bananas. <laughs> so, so therefore, I can't live with you and I can't cook for you. So we get along real well, Lisa. <laughs> well, you know, as, as an avid book reader and, and, you know, as a serial solopreneur myself, I'm also, also a passion test facilitator. And so when I mentor and coach my clients, I always say – you have to have a time frame. You mm -hmm. have to, you know, if you don't have a time frame, it, it's loose, it's loosey goosey, it's loose ended. And I mean, as much as I, you know, give you kudos and props for wanting to do the lab and, and very, very committed to the why of the lab, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire, my friend. And I'm going to say, you need to set a time date on that. You do. Consider it done. I mean, I, oh. you know, well, I tell you what, I, I've done a couple of these, of uh, uh, these podcasts and, I like to exchange both ways. Even though I might have information, you have information. Yeah. And I respect your opinion. I respect your experience. So if that's work for you and your clients, why would I want to discount that? It's done. Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic because I hear the passion in your voice when you talk about this. And we all know, you know, life is very unpredictable, regardless mm -hmm. of you citing your age of 67. Nothing is guaranteed. The next 24 hours is not guaranteed. Right. And so I would love for you to see what you are passionate about, knowing the benefit of paying it for being of service and how many lives that's going to enrich. I would love to see that come to fruition for you in your lifetime. So that's why I'm very emphatic when I say to people, if you have a vision, if you have a dream, 
if you have a goal, it will only materialize if you're serious enough by you committing to an actual start date. And because the why is more important than the what or the how, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you implement that. Everything else, funding-wise and everything, and alliances and resources, that will show up. You know that or you wouldn't be mm-hmm. successful doing what you already do with other people's businesses. Yes. So I encourage you to do the same. Never mind the what or the how. You know the why. You mm-hmm. have the passion for the why. Put a time frame into place and let's get that going. And whatever I can do to help facilitate behind the scenes, I would only be too happy and too humble to assist. So let's get that going. Well, we, we are both members of the C-Suite Network. And, yeah. and so uh, as when we're on that network, from time to time, I'll see you there. I'll drop you a note and I'll let you know I have a date and we'll touch base from time to time. How's that? Okay, I would love that. I would love that because I know you're going to go off in a totally different trajectory and the, the, the lives that you're going to impact, even in the incremental, you know, startup stages, it's it's just going to skyrocket. I mean, you're you're too committed, you're too focused, you're too impassioned, uh, you know too many things. And a lot of what we do in our lives, no matter how different the goal is, it's transferable skills. Mm-hmm. So you already embody what it takes to turn something from concept to tangibility to fruition to make it a success. It's a slam dunk. You're going to mm-hmm. do it. Yes. Oh, I, 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 that's what I tell myself. You, know, um, you remember, you know, you've, you've heard about the Olympic athletes. They, 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 what, what Olympics going on right now? Those guys for years have envisioned themselves on that yeah. winning platform winning and putting that medal around their neck. I feel the same way. I, I envision the success of my business. I envision the lab. So I see that. So as we're taking a process along, we're taking that step along the way, it, it's just part of the process. So, it, so yes, I, 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 it's, it's inside of me. It's embedded in me. It's committed to me. And I think the final piece, I won't call it the final piece, but the piece you gave me today of putting a date on it, I like that because uh, I, I'm like everybody else. If I don't have a date, it slips. Yeah. Uh, it's date creep. Date creep. So you're right. I agree. Okay, well, if you need my help, I can give you a date right now. Okay. Six months from today. Oh, that's aggressive. It is. aggressive. All right. And six months from today to start the lab or six months from today to what? what, what, Let's let's, let's finalize that. Six months to the day where you take your first step necessary to get this going in motion, where it's not just something we've talked about on radio. It's not something that just occupies your thoughts or your heart or your spirit. It's whatever that first step is for you and taking it out to the universe and aligning with the right people, finding out who the resources are, what it is you need to get this up and running, whatever that first step, first phone call, first, you know, proposal, whatever that is six months from today. I love it, Lisa. Uh, you just committed me. It's done. I mean, it'll be done. Six months from a day, I will send you an email let you know what I've done. Okay. And then I'm going to invite you back a year okay. from that six months. Okay. And, and we're going to find out exactly how far into the process you are with the lab. I like that. I like that. I, you know, when when you commit like this in public to the entire world, yeah. I, I, have, I have accountability now. So I cannot come on and come back on and say, well, Lisa, X, Y, and Z. No, I, I'm going to make it so. I'm a, I'm a Star Trek fan. The Star Trek and Astro, the <laughs> next generation. And Captain Picard used to always say, make it so. I'm going to make it so. Okay. All right. And we can certainly have our sideline behind the scenes conversations to, you know, keep you on track. And and Mm -hmm. like I said, you know, no lip service. If there's anything I can do to facilitate at least the beginning stages, I would only be too happy to do so. Thank you you for being so generous. 
Well, it's truly a pleasure and an honor, you know, because, again, we know how many people's lives stand to be impacted and enriched. And, um, you know, those are critical ages and that's a critical demographic. And we do want to change the results. We want to see certain stats go up and we want to see the other unfavorable stats come down, which means we need to start doing things to propel that in the right direction. So listen, my friend, I'm being cognizant of time. We've only got a few minutes before we have to wrap up. But again, we are going to be bringing you back. You are going to be coming here making me a solid. And we're going to get this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, within the next year, you have my salad. (laughs) Fantastic. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I want to give you the opportunity before we have to part ways here. Where can the listening audience uh, tune into you? Where can they find you? Where can they seek you out? Where can companies reach out to you and hire you for service? Okay. I have a website and it's called www.growcompanyprofits.com. Okay. And and most of the things I talked about today are are on there. Um, And one of the things I was thinking about um, uh, specifically for your show today I have a, what I call a strategic alignment snapshot. It's a tool that helps you understand how your strategy, culture, and operations are aligned. It's a free tool. And uh, I'll be glad to send you a link if you want to put in your show notes, uh, somebody can go, if they want to go there, see where they are, and they want to talk more about it. I have, I'll, have that, I'll have that link. I'll, I'll email it to you when we're done here. But they can do that. But my, my, I, I'm available through growcompanyprofits.com. And Wayne at growcompanyprofits.com is my email address. Fantastic. Well, I can't thank you enough, Wayne. This has been such a fun interview. You're on fire. You're doing amazing things. You're enriching the lives of so many people and so many people yet in the wings who it's just going to be a a totally different game changer for you. So I just want to say thank you for the gift of your time. I've been taking notes. I've sponged up all your yumminess that you've been very (laughs) gracious and very very generous with myself and the listening audience. So, uh, of course, we're going to have you back and I'm going to be uh, available to you in the background in going forward to assist you in whatever way that I can. So to the listening audience, I want to thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedules for tuning into myself and Wayne here on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. I want to thank C-Suite once again, where you can find uh, the podcast link on my host uh, page, also Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. I also want to thank the half a million podcast subscribers. You know, we couldn't be doing what we're doing to help pay it forward and be of service and change and shift people's lives without your influence, your sharing the wealth, uh, your engagement, your testimonials, your feedback. So thank you so much for that. I also want to thank my sponsors, Halton Honda and Forever for believing in myself, the show and the content. And I just want to say thank you once again. I'm here to uplift you to fear less and to live more. And I can't uh, be more grateful to all of you. So looking forward to seeing you next Friday. We'll be back with another guest and um, just take care of yourself. Love and gratitude. All my best. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.